thing. Especially stand up, stand up for Jesus. Standing on the promises. Somebody said you can't stand standing on the promises while you're sitting on the premises. First right, Peter chapter number one. First Peter chapter number one. And we'll take as our text today, verse 15 and 16 of this passage. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. That's toward the end of the New Testament. Text my morning. First Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Take time to be holy. We sang that song just a moment ago. Here Peter is declaring to us our need that as we as children of God living for Him, living for Christ, to be faithful to Him, to serve Him in our lives, each and every day giving ourselves to His service, striving in ourselves to be faithful to Him, to do as He's commanded us to do, Peter tells us that we need to live lives of holiness. But as He which hath called you rather is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In all manner of conversation, be ye holy. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Our God has saved us to glorify His name. And so the way we glorify Him is living holy lives before Him. And we've been discussing... Uh, concerning prayer, and we were looking at that, that problem of prayerlessness on Wednesday night, and we, we recognize, we realize that in, in and of ourselves, in the flesh, we as God's children struggle to do what God has called us to do. The fact of the matter is we don't have the power to serve Him as He's called us to serve Him in our flesh. We don't, we don't have the ability to do that. We are ever leaning upon our Lord. It is necessary, as we looked at Wednesday, it is necessary. The Lord tells us this in John 15 particularly. It is necessary for us to abide in Him. We have to have Him. We have to have His presence. We have to have His strength. We, we have to be holding on to Him. We have to be dependent upon Him to have the power, to have the ability, to have the strength to live as He's called us to live. Amen. We can't do it by ourselves. And, it, and it, those of us that have lived any length of time at all in the service of the Lord, you know that all too well. Because every one of us have done it. Every one of us have tried to live for the Lord, tried to serve Him, tried to follow after Him in our own strength. And we fail at it every time. 
We don't have it in ourselves. We have to be trusting in our Lord. We have to be holding on to Him. We have to be abiding in Him. And so it's only in that abiding in Him that we are able then to be holy. It has to be... It has to be brought to us by Him. That holiness and living out that holiness has to be by His power. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. The problem is, and it's the reality of of life for everyone that's born upon this earth, the problem is... We're all depraved sinners. We all have sin in us. We we are we are we our flesh is depraved. And because of that, that nature of sin is always present. Paul talks at great length about it in Romans chapter seven, about that struggle of the old nature against the new nature. The new nature that we have in Christ Jesus, that new nature that is brought in us at salvation, that new nature that is Christ Jesus our Lord dwelling in us. And Paul talks there in chapter 7 about that constant struggle, about the new nature that is in us in Christ battling against that old nature that is ever present in our lives. And so because of that reality, sin is a part of our lives. It is ever present before us. To understand God's grace, to understand what we have in Christ Jesus, to understand what He means for us to be holy because He is holy. We, we need to understand what sin is. We need to understand how hated sin is before God. Notice from the beginning, Adam was made by God. There in Genesis chapter 2, we read particularly of Adam's Adam's uh, uh, making his creation there and, and God placing him in the garden there and then making Eve and, and bringing her to him there and joining them together as husband and wife there in, in Genesis chapter 2. And, and Adam's placed in the, the, the beauty and the wonder of that. And we're just given a small snippet of what that, that garden and that paradise was like that Adam and Eve were placed in there from the beginning and, and, and man, has, man has strove since Genesis chapter 3 to get back to the garden. We like the idea of that paradise. We like the idea of that careless life. We like the idea of, of, of having it all there before us without ever having to, to worry about it or to do with it or whatever. That man is, man is desired to get back to the garden. The problem is the, the, the garden there really is the presence of God. And the presence of God is blocked by the flaming sword of the angel there at the end of Genesis chapter 3. That, pre- that, that way into His presence 
is kept from sinful man, that man does not have that ready access that Adam enjoyed there in the garden as he walked with God in the cool of the day. Fellowship with Him right there in His presence. But now when sin is brought in, when sin comes in, when Adam allows sin in his life, now that fellowship with God is gone. It's no longer the same. And he's put out from that paradise. He's put out from the garden. Man is separated from God now because of sin. And this brought then a curse and a ruin upon all mankind. Still go on today. Then you come to the time of Noah. That's from Genesis 3 to Genesis chapter 6. Three chapters later, Adam's sin had spread so rapidly upon the earth, coming through Adam and the generations that followed after him, that that sin had increased to such an extent that that's all man was doing, was sinning. The earth was filled up with his sin. Such a godless and sinful state man had become that God destroyed man from the earth. Except for Noah, his wife, their three sons, their three wives, and all of the animals that God would bring with them, on land animals that God would bring with them on the ark. And then we come to Sinai. The children of Israel, they come forth out of the land of Egypt. They are freed from their 430 year captivity. We were talking about that this morning in Sunday school on the self same day. Oh, God's exact. He's so exact. 430 years, they come out of that captivity. They begin to move back toward the promised land as God leads them along. He takes them over into Arabia and there at the mountain of Sinai God gives them the covenant of His law. This new nation of Israel going to the land that God had promised them. They receive His law. And the message concerning that law. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number 26. Deuteronomy 27 and verse number 26. Cursed is he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law. Paul would, would speak to this very same Verse here in the book of Galatians in chapter number 3 and verse number 10 of this passage as he was writing to these churches in Galatia. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul says here, 
For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. This is God's God's rod of measurement concerning holiness. And what Paul tells us here in the book of Galatians particularly is that what what Moses and the children of Israel found that all too quickly after the law was given unto them is that man in his natural state cannot keep the law of God. His nature will not allow him to do righteousness. That sinful nature keeps him from holiness. That sinful nature he is not able to do that holiness that God has called him to. And so man's not able to keep that holy law of God. And Paul makes that point here in the book of Galatians that the law can't save us. Because we can't keep it. He says that again also in Romans chapter 8. He says not that there was anything wrong with the law, but rather that we are weak in the flesh. It's purpose. It's whole purpose, Paul tells us here in Galatians chapter 3. It's whole purpose was not to save, but rather to condemn. To declare to us Our sinful reality. To declare to us that we are depraved. And because we are depraved, its purpose then, as Paul says there in 327, is to drive us to the Lord Jesus. That we would see, I can't do this myself. I can't live a holy life. I can't do the things God has called me to do. I can't live for Him as He's called me to live for Him in and of myself. I don't have the ability. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. This sinful nature prohibits me from doing that. I cannot serve God as He has declared for me to serve Him. Who who then can help me? And it is Christ Jesus that we are pointed to. It is Him that is our hero. It is Him that is the captain of our faith. It is Him that is our Savior who died in our stead that gave unto us His righteousness and His holiness that we then honor, that we then Make that amends before God that we then are redeemed before our King. That life that Christ Jesus gave for us. We are made, we are made holy in Him. Made holy. Not in anything we've done. Not in anything we can do. But holiness in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it is at Calvary. It is at Calvary that we see sin on display. With great hatred and enmity. The world cast out and crucified. The Son of God. We're reading this morning in Sunday school there from John chapter 12 and the triumphal entry of the Lord 
They're coming into Jerusalem riding upon that donkey. The people were putting the palm fronds in, in, in his path there as he came forward into the city and they're crying out, Hosanna! Hosanna to the king! The king has come! The king has arrived! Messiah is here! And three days later, those same people are crying, crucify him. Crucify Crucify We see that hatred of sin on display as our Lord would go to the cross in our stead there. He was made, the Bible tells us He was made our sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says that there in verse number 21, right there at the end, the last verse of chapter 5. Second Corinthians 5 verse 21, For He, God the Father, hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us. who knew no sin. There was no sin in him. He, in fact, Jesus said himself, the devil hath nothing in me. In other words, there was no accusation that could be brought against him. Nothing that could be brought against him. He is absolutely holy. He's absolutely separate. He is absolutely undefiled. There was no sin that could be laid to his charge. He knew no sin. But he was made out of sin. In other words, my sin, your sin, was put upon Him. He bore it in our place on the cross of Calvary. Took the punishment of that sin for us in our place. Because without that, without Him bearing it for us, you and I are left in our sins. And if we're going to do it ourselves, if we're somehow going to cleanse ourselves of that sin, what we very quickly find out, not only from Scripture, but from practice, we find out very quickly we cannot do it. We don't have the ability. We don't have the power. We are already cursed. And we cannot get out from under that curse by our actions, by our doing, by our religious work. And yet that is exactly what man has done. Ever since he's been cast out of the garden, man has continually striven, he's continually went after, he's continually followed after religious things, religious works, religious deeds, trying to make his way back to God, make his way back to paradise. To get entrance again. Man so defeated in his inability to get back to God, knowing I can't do it, I can't, I can't get there. Well then, Paul tells us in Romans 1 or Romans chapter 2, both of those chapters Paul describes this reality. They just decide, well, we'll just make us a God we can get to. And so we have all of these false religions that have come in our world since that time as man realizing I can't get back to the God. I'll make me a God I can get to. 
And ultimately that God is self. Self. Oh, they gave it other names. They molded it after different idols. They gave them different attributes of what this God did and that God did and this God did. And they, you know, they talked about all the things that they were worshiping this particular God for. And I believe a lot of that is in, in regards to the, the demons that were upon the earth at that time that were influencing those kind of things. But ultimately it comes back. It's the God of self. That's what it always comes back to. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I think is best. I'm going to do what I want to do to get myself to God. And he's just going to have to accept it. Because that's what I'm doing. And so it's it's the God of self. It's the God of self. But that doesn't save us. That doesn't keep us. That's, that's not what salvation is. But rather, as we read already that in, in here in chapter 5 again, for He, God the Father, hath made Him, God the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. How is it that our sin is taken care of? How is it then that our sin is washed away? How is it then that our sin is taken from us that we now have an access to the throne of God, that we now have that place before Him, that now we, we, we enjoy that, that presence of Him? How is it that we have that in Christ Jesus our Lord? He bore our sin. He took our place. He paid For our sin in our stead on that cross of Calvary and in turn turns around, gives to us His righteousness. Holiness, righteousness, you cannot do that yourself. You cannot earn that yourself. You can't do enough Yourself to be holy and righteous. Holiness, righteousness was earned for us by Christ Jesus our Lord and He gives it to us from His death on the cross of Calvary. He was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so, in my salvation, when He saved me by His grace, it wasn't anything I did. He came to me. He found me. And He gave me grace and gave me righteousness in Christ Jesus, my Lord. But there's still, again, there's the problem. Paul tells us that in Romans 7. There's still that problem. Yes, I'm, I'm redeemed. I'm sealed inwardly. That new man, as Paul calls it, that new nature that is given, is sealed unto the day of redemption. There is no sin that can enter into that. But I still have this. Right? I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still in this flesh. And as long as I am in this flesh, that old nature still is here. It still resides. It's not put to death yet. 
And so what I have to do every single day, what you have to do every single day is we have to die to this. We have to die to this. And live unto Christ Jesus. And we do that by abiding in Him, by holding on to Christ, by by coming to Him every single day. Lord, I need You. Our Lord hung in our place on that cross of Calvary for the curse that was upon us. He would suffer in our stead that separation from His Father. And I can't explain all that. I, I, I know what he says. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Quoting Psalm 110. I, I, I know what he's saying. And he's talking about that separation that had come upon him in the sense when he became our sin die. But I, he is all God and all man at the same time and that never stops. And so I, I can't explain all that. I just know what he said. I just know what he said. And I know that in that... He took the punishment of, of my sins for me. He took the punishment of my sins for me. And gave unto me His righteousness. And it's through this, it's through what He suffered for us. In Psalm, or, I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah 53 Psalm 18, Psalm 22, we can, we can see some about what he would suffer and what physically, what he would endure. But Isaiah 53, he, he describes the spiritual side of it. Truly what he suffered for us there in our stead on the cross. And it's through that that, that, we, that we are able to understand very faintly but able to understand God's great hatred for sin. God hates sin so much that He gave His only begotten Son to die for us in our place to pay for it. God is absolutely holy. And because of His absolute holiness, you and I do not have a place before Him if sin is on us. And so we have to be made holy to be in His presence. We have to be made righteous to be in His presence. To live with Him eternally, we have to be made holy. We have to be made righteous. We can't get there ourselves. And so Jesus died in our place and gave to us His holiness. Gave to us His righteousness. So that when God looks at you and I, He sees the righteousness, the holiness of Christ Jesus our Lord. And then on top of that, our Lord's right there making intercession for us. He sinned, but I paid for that one. 
He failed. I paid for that one. I gave myself. Satan there as our our accuser. The lawman. I they sinned. They failed. They come short. I paid for that one. That one's paid for. That one's mine. I took that. And if there's anything that should make us hate and detest sin in our lives, it should be what it costs the Lord to redeem us unto Himself. Child of God, as they continue to grow in Christ, what they find is they continue to grow in the hatred of the sin that is in them. We see it as we get older in the Lord, we see it more clearly in us and we hate it all the more. As we draw closer to Him, we hate that sin more and more and more. The cross of Christ should put in you an absolute hatred of the sin in your life. Is there anything greater? Is there anything greater to help us to understand how awful sin is than the cross of Christ? That one who is absolutely holy, the one who is absolutely good, that only did right in his life that he would give himself to die give himself to die in our place to pay for this sin that is in us now look at yourself Consider you. Consider your own heart. Turn your eyes inward. And see the sin that's in you. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15 verse number 11. The Lord says, not, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a the man. Then he says in verse 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, 
These things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. It's those things in our own hearts. It's those sins that we've harbored in ourselves. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9, Jeremiah says concerning our own hearts, he tells us here in this passage, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Many times have you heard people say, I just follow your heart. That is the dumbest thing you could tell anybody to do. Why? Because our heart is desperately wicked. Our hearts are desperately wicked. It's deceitful. He says, above all things. Yes, our own hearts will lie to us. Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I, the Lord, search the heart. Psalm 139 and verse number 24. Psalm 139 and verse number 24. Read verse 23 with it as well. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. David says, Lord, search me. If there's sin hidden in me somewhere, get it out of me. Search my heart. If there's any wicked way there, lead me, he says, in the way everlasting. Get that out of me. When we fail, we allow sin a place in our lives, and we all do every single day. We fail. We come short. But when we do, instead of excusing ourselves or accusing one another, as Paul says there in Romans chapter 2 and verse number 15, instead of doing that, 
what we should, our reply should be is the reply of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Woe is me. Woe is me. Instead of looking for someone else to blame it on, we need to be looking to ourselves. Woe is me. Isaiah says, I am a sinful man. I come from a sinful people with unclean lips, he goes on to say. Instead of looking for an excuse, or instead of accusing someone else, we have to declare it our own sin ourselves. Woe is me. You see, the great power of sin is its ability to blind man to its true character. And even the Christian can find himself an excuse when he's looking for it. Well, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. Maybe. That's not an excuse to sin. Well, I'm just a sinner. At least I'm not sinning as bad as so and so. Or at least it's not as bad as this fella. Or it's the same as everybody else. So, if they're all right with God, then I can be too. If we find in us, as we're looking inward and we find in us an attitude towards sin, in that way we need to be crying out to God to give us repentance and to awaken our conscience. That there be a tenderness in it again toward God and against the sin that is in our souls. God hates sin. In in Psalm chapter 7, verse number 11. Psalm chapter 7 and verse number 11. There's a strong verse here. Strong verse David writes for us. God doesn't let sin go, either among His people or among this world. He will not let His sin go. God judgeth the righteous, He says. God judgeth the righteous. And God is angry with the wicked every day. He is angry with the wicked every day. The hatred to which His holiness burns against it. The the solemn sacrifice that He made to conquer sin and deliver us from it. We must remember that. 
Each and every day we must remember that. What our Lord has paid to redeem us unto Himself. What He has paid to make us His own. We must remember the cross. And what the love of Christ endured for us there through that unspeakable pain that was brought on Him as He paid the penalty of our sin in our stead. As awful, as awful as it was, the things that man did to Him there that day, the nails, the, 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 the lashings there with the cat of nine tails, the crown of thorns beat upon His head, the punching, the spitting, the mocking, all of the things that He endured, as awful as it was what man did to Him, it is what His Father did to Him that saved us from our sins. It is in that that He paid for our sin. We must remember what our Lord has done for us. What great price it costs for Him to redeem us unto Himself that He might give to us life, grace, salvation, righteousness, holiness. Be ye holy as I am holy. We need to look to our Savior each And every day dying to self. Because self has robbed us of our understanding of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Self has robbed us of our understanding of our place before Him. Self robs us of reality before God. Makes us stiff-necked. It makes us unmoved by our separation of fellowship with God and the sin that is in our hearts. It is nothing except humble, constant fellowship with God that teaches us to hate sin as He hates it. Nothing but that constant nearness an unceasing power of the living Christ can make it possible for us to rightly understand what sin is and to detest it. Especially the sin in us. To detest it as God detests it. Be ye holy as I am holy. Die. Die to self and live unto Christ. Repent. Repent and live unto Him each and every day as many times a day as you can go to it. (laughs) Abide in Christ Jesus. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, you bring us a song.